Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. I know that both of us have come out of legalistic backgrounds and denominations, and I guess you yeah. could say that we're recovering legalists in <laughs> some sense. There are a couple things here that I want to explore. One of them is this idea of radicalization. Now, I use the term in the book because in setting up message on the gospel of the kingdom, I compare the devotion, the commitment, and the allegiance mm -hmm. that the average Christian has to Jesus Christ. Yes. I compare that with the devotion, commitment, and allegiance that terrorists have to their false and dangerous cause. And, of course, we know the term radicalized, he was radicalized, she was radicalized, refers to being inducted into a terrorist organization where, where their whole mindset, mm -hmm. all of their values, all of their, their entire culture, and all of their allegiance is given to this terrorist organization. Yeah. And they say the person was radicalized. And so I use that term to refer to what the early Christians were experiencing when they gave their allegiance and yes. their commitment yes. and their devotion to Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. They were becoming radicalized, radicalized because it totally changed not just one segment of their life. Mm -hmm. It changed their entire Amen. Life experience. Amen. Their entire culture, their values, all of it was radically changed. And radical, of course, means going to the root. And so the true radicalization is that of an individual giving their entire life and surrendering their allegiance to Jesus Christ. That is the true radicalization. Amen. And I have had pushback from a few people, not many, uh -huh. but a few people saying, what a horrible illustration. Are you saying that Christians are to be like the terrorists are? They're evil people. Completely and totally missing the point. I don't really understand how an individual can come away with that kind of an impression when I have tried to be crystal yeah. clear that I'm yeah. talking about the devotion yeah. and the allegiance and the commitment. Come on. Obviously, I'm not Amen. saying Amen. we should become yeah. like terrorists yeah. and hurt people. Yeah. Amen. The other thing is, I am not saying, and again, I'm talking to people who have not read the book, because if they read the book, they would know this. Yeah, you make it plain. But, but I'm not saying that we ought to all be radical for Jesus. We're not radical enough. Let's yeah. get radical. That's not the message. That's Amen. a message of legalism. Yes. That's human will. Yes. That's manipulation. Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is if you have become radicalized, and I talk about what that means and yeah. what that is, yeah. then you will naturally become yes. completely given to Christ. You will become yes. a radical yes. believer. Yes. It's not something that you do in your own power. Amen. It's not some lever you push and it happens. It's not some button you press. It is a natural result of being ruined 
by the sight mm. of the glory and beauty of Christ, Hallelujah. which I try to do in the yeah. beginning of the book. Hallelujah. It's the natural result of that. We can't really give ourselves to mm. him fully if we haven't seen him mm. in his glory and Amen. peerless worth. Amen. And I'm not talking about a, a vision that you see with your eyes. I'm talking about something that happens yeah. in the heart that, if, in the heart that Paul spoke about in Ephesians, yeah. that your hearts, that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. Yes. Right? So we're talking about a revelation. That's, that, yeah, that's that in chapter one. Yeah. In your heart. So but let's talk about legalism because it's so pervasive. And there are people who talk about aspects of the kingdom of God, but they couch it in such condemning language mm. and guilt-ridden statements yes. that the underlying message, Jeffrey, is you're not doing enough. Yeah. God's not happy. Mm. You have to do more. Yeah. Then you'll please God. And the result is that people come under this enormous pile stacking of guilt and condemnation and the message really from those who preach legalism never changes it's the same all yeah. the time yes yeah. and what i have observed because i came out of mm -hmm. a world that preached that message is that every single sermon every single message every single exhortation was couched in this thing that you're not doing enough you can do more. You have to do more. God will be happy when you start doing more. And brother, that message will be preached for five years. Then another five years will go by. Another five years. And 20 years later, God's people are still hearing that message and still feeling like they're not doing enough. They're not measuring up. And that's the gospel of legalism. And that is not the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. It's like a gerbil. Just on that wheel, but going nowhere. <laughs> you know, going nowhere and making no progress. You know, I like it in, in the book, page 32, you talk about four shades of legalism. And basically you say legalism is the human attempt to gain God's favor by keeping rules, regulations, laws, and expectations. And you say legalism is innate to fallen humanity, and it has affected virtually every Christian on the planet. And you're so right, I'm a recovering legalist. But what I found, and again, this is why this message of the gospel of the kingdom, you have to be experiencing it before you can preach it. Because I struggled for a year just, okay, how do I articulate this and not make it legalistic? You know, one thing, The Deeper Journey has a YouTube site for those of you who aren't a part of the Deeper Christian Life Network. And The Deeper Journey has released a few messages on there from our conference where Frank was unveiling Galatians. Oh. Those messages and that master class was like an elixir, a medication to my soul. Mm. I still have to go back and listen to mm. because I can so easily yeah, fall back into that trap again of, you know, you're not doing enough. And so I plead before the Lord as I've been sharing these messages from the book, and, and there's so much more to share. But every week I, I'm praying and just before God, and then Sunday morning crying, please, please, please don't let me get up and, and be legalistic with this and put your people in mm -hmm. bondage. And so, you know, we recently at our fellowship had a gathering, a meeting. 
and the person that was sharing the word made it that you know we're not evangelizing enough you got that co-worker you know is not saved and you haven't been praying for that person like you know you should and you haven't turned down your plate and fasted for them like you oh, know boy. you should i heard that and, message about 500 yeah, times yeah, <laughs> you have 20 years ago. I, was, I was like i mean you know at the end when they called an altar call for everybody who knew they weren't doing enough to come down and repent i said man i need to go down and repent too you know? <laughs> i mean that's that's just the power of that and and some people shared with me in confidence I get it. I didn't go down because I'm not doing that. But, you know, it's there's a peer pressure when we come together in a meeting like that. Because if you don't go down, then it's like you're either in denial. Is this person a lay person that's part of the fellowship or is this person from the outside that had, you had come in? They were from the outside and, and they were an associate pastor at another church. All right. Well, that that's yeah. good to hear yeah. because yeah. the people you're ministering to, I'm sure they probably picked up on the fact that you're preaching a gospel of non-legalism. Amen. And so once that happens and yes. your eyes are open, you can detect yes. this is legalistic. Yes. And I'm sure yes. that happened. Yes. Yes. And my wife said, my wife noticed that we're from a tradition where we, we like to say amen mm-hmm. and say, you know, preach that truth and teach. And it was so quiet at points, you could hear mice licking ice. <laughs> That's a good sign, my friend. <laughs> it was like, that means the like, people amen. get it. Yeah, yeah, and that and that and that was. But the other part of that was for that person again. What we were talking about, they're teaching. They're up in front of God's people and really praying that the Lord again that prayer Paul prays in Ephesians one, starting around verse sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would see the glorious inheritance and in this gospel of the kingdom of God, because that person is coming up in front of God's people. And I was sharing with Frankie V in our time together, you know, I'm so glad that back in the 90s, the cassette tapes that they used to record our our sermons with, I, I just hope that they're all destroyed or disintegrated <laughs> somewhere. No one saved You are living, goodness, breathing Moses. Yeah, and, and so one of the things you bring out, you know, uh, in the book with legalism is we take something that maybe God told us personally to do, and make it a rule for everybody. You know, there's something else operating on a more subterranean level, and that is the person who preaches legalism and legalistically, they themselves are living under guilt. They themselves don't feel like they're doing enough. Mm. And so they project that onto everyone else. And often the thinking is, well, I'm not doing enough. I'm living under this guilt. So that means everybody else is. They're not doing enough. Yeah. They need to be motivated by yeah. guilt. Yeah. And sometimes it's even more insidious than that. It's, okay, well, it doesn't really work for me. I've tried and tried and tried, and I keep falling short. Mm-hmm. But I'm a special case. It's got to work for them. So I'm going to put them under this guilt. Wow. I'm going to tell them what they need to be doing because wow. it's going to work for them. And that often is the root behind legalistic preaching and legalistic people. And the favorite tool of the average preacher to motivate God's people to live more godly and to do more for the Lord is guilt. That's the tool in their hand. And it is ineffective because not only does it not last, right? You know, a person may feel, oh, I got so convicted. And they, they actually become addicted to guilt. 
mm. God's people, many of them. You know, wow. they want to hear that message to make them guilty because it's a kick in the pants to get them to do something that they ordinarily wouldn't do. So now guilt becomes their master rather than Jesus Christ. The other problem is that's the very thing that Jesus Christ came to deliver us from. Hallelujah. Is condemnation yeah, yeah, and yeah, guilt yeah, yeah. and religious duty and so forth. The subtitle of the book is Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom. Mm. And a person who doesn't know what I'm saying in the book and yes. what I mean by the gospel of the kingdom will look at that and say, that's presumptuous. We already have the gospel of the kingdom. We don't need to reclaim that. What are you talking about reclaiming that? I mean, you heard a person make that comment. Well, if you knew what I was talking about, yes. it absolutely needs to be reclaimed because it's not being preached. What's being preached instead is all the other things we talked about yes. as the kingdom of God and a whole lot of guilt and condemnation. Nah. This is not about evangelism. Thank you, D.L. Moody. Yes. This is not about <laughs> missions. Yeah. Thank you, YWAM. This is not that at all. Yeah, nah. And so unless a person hears the message, unless they get exposed to it, they don't know what we're talking about. Yes. And yeah. what we're talking about does need to be reclaimed. Yes, it, it absolutely does. does. Yeah. One of the things I said in an interview I was asked, why did you write this book? And my answer was, I write the book that I myself want to read, mm. but doesn't exist. Now, there are dozens and dozens of books on the kingdom of God. And there are a couple on the gospel of the kingdom, most mm. of which have been written long ago. I could not find insurgents. In other words, I couldn't find the book I wanted to read. Yeah. It didn't exist. That's why I took the time and the energy and the effort and opened up a few veins Amen. To write this, uh, because writing a book is monumentally difficult. It is a draining experience on every level, not just mentally, but emotionally mm -hmm. and so forth, even physically. So I didn't want to write the book. I was looking for it, uh -huh. right? For that book. I had looked at this topic on the gospel of the kingdom about 10 years ago. And the way I did it was I looked at it in the gospels first. The epistles and then I went to the Old Testament mm -hmm. instead of looking at it systematically which is the typical approach mm -hmm. I looked at it narratively Amen. and so I found the seeds of the kingdom in Genesis 1 and 2 and then the counter kingdom beginning in Genesis 4 and then flourishing in Genesis 10 in the city of Babel that's where we have the first mention of kingdom yeah right and then you keep going and you see God's reaction to what happened at Babel. He ends up giving up and disinheriting the nations. And he creates his own nation, which is Israel. Yeah. It starts with Abraham. And then Israel goes the way of the other nations. And they begin worshiping the celestial beings that God put over the nations. They begin going after them and they become the pagan gods. They're really yes. celestial beings yes. that were with the Lord at yes. one time. Yes. Yes. And they had fallen. And they're the principalities and powers that Paul speaks about yeah. in the book of Ephesians. And Daniel they're 10. Right Daniel now. 10. They're geographical beings. And this we get into all this in the book and some of the other resources. And so when you look at it narratively, different aspects of the kingdom come to the surface that you would have never seen before, that you wouldn't get in a systematic study, you know what I mean? Explain narrative and systematic. By narrative, you look at the story okay. in chronological order. Okay. And you see it unfold as a drama. Yeah. Where systematic, you take the topics and then you kind of paste them all together. Yeah. But you're not looking at it in order. So, for example, 
a systematic study of the kingdom would look at all the, the references of that word in the New Testament, put them all together in these different lists, and then try to ascertain what the kingdom means yeah. by extracting them from their context and putting them in a systematic list and then giving topics to it like okay the kingdom in relation to finances the kingdom in relation to family the kingdom in relation to church and so that's the systematic way Mm -hmm. where the narrative way is you begin in the gospels chronologically so Mm -hmm. you start out with john the baptist yeah then you move on to jesus then you move on to the 12, and then you go into Acts, and you begin there chronologically, mm-hmm. and then you put Paul's letters and Peter's letters and yeah. the letter of James and the letters of John in their chronological position yeah. when they were written. And so now you see the whole thing unfold chronologically yeah. as a narrative, as a free-flowing story. Yeah. And that brings out insights that you would have never seen if yeah. you do it topically. So that's what I mean. So after doing that narrative study and looking at it from that approach, I saw what the gospel of the kingdom was like I never had before, mm. but never really paid attention to it. Yeah, we're not taught that way. That's yeah. why I asked you to explain yeah. narrative and systematically. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it just blew my mind yeah. and altered my heart and Amen. really challenged me. So much so that you'll see throughout the book, and even when I was bringing those messages, I'd say these prayers... Yeah, uh, for God's yeah. mercy, because yeah. it's so challenging, but not in a legalistic way. Yes, but yes. in a spirit-led way. I said I would love to have this in book form. What I've discovered, mm-hmm. and I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find it, and that's why I pulled the trigger and wrote the book myself. Amen. And I ask you, Frankie V, to talk about that narratively, because in the context I'm in, you know, I started saying words like that narratively and systematically. And then people will come, well, Pastor, break that down. We don't really get what what that means by that. And so I share with everybody, and I'll share that here, is that you wrote a book, The Untold Story, and really reading the Bible like that and getting that story and then going back to Genesis. Again, it was the Deeper Christian Life Network, the exquisite passion classes that just went through the Old Testament and just the move of God from Genesis just seeing all those things and so to me that's why surgeons reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom is like the masterpiece because i I can see all that work like coming together you know in in this you know where you talk about god started this building process in genesis 1 and 2 and you know you see the completion of it in in revelation 21 22 and everything that that's like in between there and the kingdom and then once getting a hold of that and then prayer, and then you know, allowing the Spirit to point out to me how I'm saying that legalistically. Because if I take it systematically, and I say, okay, this is what the kingdom's like with family. And then nobody's family looks like that, so we have to try harder to be like that. <laughs> and this is what the kingdom's like with finances. And so you know, none of our finances look like this, so we have to try harder. And <laughs> it just becomes that, and not you know what God is doing yeah, through the peace. Because this legalism is... In Philadelphia, in the context I'm in, and I've been in the inner city in Newark, in New Jersey, in Camden, New Jersey, Trenton, New Jersey, and Philadelphia now. It's, yeah, that's what's preached. The Lord's willing, hopefully, God by his mercy, and recovering from that day by day and not sharing that, that message. 
So that narrative reading of the Bible personally made a dramatic impact mm. on me to change the lens mm. of how I was reading the scripture. Mm. And in another podcast, we'll talk about seminary mm. because I remember systematic theology, the queen of the sciences. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I've arrived then. But we'll talk about that in another podcast. I really wholeheartedly believe, it's not think, I, I'm fully persuaded that just that narrative reading yeah. is a paradigm changer. It is. It uncovers so much that one would not ordinarily see. And it's been a major game changer in my own life since I began looking at scripture like that. Interestingly enough, with the white pill of legalism, you have so many people who've been burned out by the legalistic message in so much of Christianity mm -hmm. and just raked over the coals, spent, discouraged. And some of them have gravitated to the alternative message, which I go into in the book, The Gospel of Libertinism. Yeah which is the other side, mm. it's the reaction to legalism. And that basically says, God understands, we're under grace, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you do in your own personal life, sin is not an issue, you should never feel bad about sin, because Jesus came and made us not to feel bad, yeah. which is different from guilt, by the way. Mm -hmm being enlightened by the Spirit of God concerning sin and having the Lord deal with that in your life is different from being condemned and feeling guilty Amen. and feeling worthless. So those two things are very different. But this is a message that says, because we're under grace, we don't have to even think about sin and deal with it, and it's not an issue, and it doesn't matter how you live. I have some Facebook friends, many of whom I don't know who they are. They just friended me and I accept it and there's one guy who keeps coming up on my feed and this guy's extreme libertine mm. and he's constantly talking about God's grace to the point where the words of Jude come to mind they turn the grace of mm. God into lasciviousness yeah. or into license to, sin. license to sin. So we're under grace, so let's just go ahead and live the way we want. Just he's banging the same drum over and <coughs> over and over again. You could tell the guy was just bleeding from some legalistic experience. And now he's pushing the grace card beyond what grace really is. Yeah, yeah. And part of grace is it gives you the power to live free from the dominion of the flesh. Amen. Paul says the grace of God teaches us. Teaches us. How to live godly and ungodly world. That's Titus 2, 11 through 14. There you go. See, yeah, Denzel, is a, Denzel is a <laughs> Bible scholar. When I, when I talk about my libertine, my reaction to that, you'll see why. Because the grace of God teaches us how to live holy. So grace is, is not just unmerited favor, Amen. but it is an empowerment Amen. Uh, to do that which we in our human flesh cannot. But this guy is constantly banging that drum. And what amazes me is he's getting hundreds of likes mm. from his Facebook friends. I look at that and I just shake my head that this is just a shame because he's not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Mm. He's no. not preaching the gospel of legalism, which is pervasive. He's preaching the gospel of libertinism. And both legalism and libertinism basically emerge from the same tree, mm -hmm. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're just two different sides to it. Yes, yes. It's not the tree of life. 
No. And, you know, Paul battled with both legalism and libertinism in the first century. You know, he battled with both. Yeah. When he wrote Galatians, he was taking dead aim at legalism, which was pervading that fellowship. And when he wrote Corinthians, he was taking dead aim at libertinism, yeah. which had pervaded that fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. And we have those two counterfeit gospels with counterfeit. us today. You know, you talked about, you talk about in the book, and it, it just struck me because I'm reading this and I'm like, Frank is talking about my life in the Lord. <laughs> For nine years, my first nine years walking with the Lord, I was in a very legalistic church. I was a very legalistic person. In fact, you could pretty much say the message was in a few sentences, you're not good enough. You're not doing enough. You need to come down to the altar and repent. You're going to lose your salvation because you're not doing enough. Mm. And that was it. In fact, I'd come to church and say, I know, okay, I'm not doing enough. I was bad. I know. And then before we had communion that week, it was like, I hope you all lived holy. Nobody takes communion and dies because, <laughs> because you, if you take this unworthily. So the really deeper spiritual people would sometimes turn down communion because they weren't living holy enough that week. And there are times when I mimic that so that I could be one of those people. This is like embarrassing to be saying, but it's, it's the truth. So then when, when I, I left that fellowship, came out of that, and, like, and you said in the book, it's like, so reaction or response to that is then libertinism. So when I heard, you're saved by grace, he, God loves you, and he already knew you were going to do that before mm-hmm. you did it, mm-hmm. you know. So, and he still saved you. You're, you're saved from, and this, I believe, we're, you know, Jesus' blood washed us from our past, present, and right. future sins. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. But this took it to, so do whatever you want. And it was like, <laughs> wow, really? Really? Wow. You are a breath of fresh air. Wow. I love this. You know, we got to take this around the world. But, you know, you, you talked about Galatians, and Paul, even in Galatians 5, for that, said, for freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. It was like, well, wait a second. I, I'm doing some things I was doing before, you know, and, and it's like, boy, this this isn't good either. And so, like you said, those two counterfeit gospels, and that's why I felt like, well, Frank's writing my story here. Like this is this oh. is exactly and I can see why people will gravitate to that. People will put themselves under legalism. Yes. A guy came to me this week, he says, Pastor. He says, I need you to tell me what I'm doing wrong and how I can do better. Mm. And first thing I said was, why would you give me that kind of power over yeah, your life? Amen, brother. I don't want right. that kind of power over your life, number one. I was like, Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Yes. And you go to the Lord. Uh, I think that John the Baptist did it so great. He would say, behold, the Lamb of God. Mm. That we should be pointing people to the Lamb of God. He's their Lord. And he says, my sheep, you know, know my voice and another they won't follow. So if you belong to him and get some of these practical handles you've been learning, he will speak to you and he will guide you and be captured by his glory. So yes, the gospel legalism, the gospel libertinism, I guess I'm recovering from both of those, you know, and, and the gospel, <laughs> reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. Brother, is, you're is not the, the only one. Yeah. I mean, this is what we have today, and it's what we had in the first century, and Paul yeah. was constantly battling it with the very churches he planted. Yeah. These were groups that came from his own hand. Yeah. And the letters 
were reactions to what was going on mm. in those churches. And yeah. I had a conversation with one of the pastors who came to Ministry Mind just a few days ago, and he was just telling me about the formation of a, of a kingdom community that he was creating in his town. And it was very encouraging. Mm -hmm. But it's at the very beginning. It just started. And I said to him, I said, you realize if these people really get to know each other beyond meeting once a week in your home, that you're going to face problems you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him about the fall and the damage the fall has done to all of us. Yeah. And I yeah. talked to him about that we've underestimated the power of the fall. Mm -hmm. And that when Christians begin to get to know each other really well, we all get exposed. And yeah. you start to see things that you didn't know were there because they're hidden. And, yeah. You, know, you yeah. can hide them yeah. once a week. Yeah. Coming easy. together to eat yeah. and fellowship, easily hide them. Just like you can hide them sitting in a pew on mm -hmm. Sunday morning. That's right. But it's when you start to get to know each other. Yeah. That's really where you begin to see. You really begin to see how damaged we are and how much in need of transformation Hallelujah. we are. Yeah. True face-to-face -face community exposes, mm -hmm. and if people stick it out and they're given the right help, mm -hmm. that's where real transformation Amen. comes in. Because you can't, you can't deal with issues if you're not aware of them or if they're hidden, right? Yes. But I kind of jokingly gave him a scenario of what he's going to face. I said, well, you're going to have some people who are wife abusers. Mm. You're going to have some alcoholics. You're going to have some drug addicts. You're going to have people who are addicted to pornography. Yeah. You're going to have people who are cheating. You're going to have people who have temper problems that mm -hmm. they cannot control. Those are the people who are qualified to be your leaders. I'm not even mentioning the others. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. But he got the point, yeah. and it was really new to him because... Yeah. Yeah. He's reading other people who are talking about starting communities, and they never address what I just said. Wow. It's all about the structure, and it's all about what are we going to do on mission out there. Hmm. That's all it is. It's hmm. not the good, the bad, and the ugly of what really happens when you have a group of people who are getting to know each other in close-knit community. That's never touched. And to be able to deal with that yes. with grace and not legalism Woo, with grace oh, okay you're now now grace. you're talking about now you're talking about calculus mm. and quantum physics when it comes to spiritual ministry yeah it was really eye-opening for him and i i gave him some resources where I've, I've dealt with some of this stuff this is what we have in the body of christ legalism and libertinism in most of the expressions in various degrees and brother they both lead to bondage, just Amen. a bondage to something different. Yes, yes. One leads to bondage to the flesh, the other leads to bondage to the law. Yeah, And Amen. the Lord has freed us from both. From both. And that was my story. The first nine years, I was in bondage to the law. Then it was, wow, to the flesh. And so Frank and I were talking about some of my background and part of my background was I was a drug addict. In, in the city, we called it a dope fiend an alcoholic. The thing that scared me about just this free to live like whatever was, man, I don't want to fall back into mm. that. I need to be under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, I, I need to be in a community with some people who can keep me accountable. That was that struggle. And then it was finding 
a genuine person or people that you could be transparent with. One of my last pastor, who's still a good friend of mine, but he would tell me when I had the opportunity to minister, Jeff, you're too transparent, mm. you know. And I had a pastor before tell me that people don't want to see weakness in their leaders. But my point is, and, and you'll hear that from time to time with me as, as we have these conversations, is that, uh, no, I can be transparent. I can be open because Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He knows it anyhow, and he's wiped it away. I like to say that God's solution is execution, execution of those works of the flesh. And it's like peeling an onion. It's a continuous thing. And the gospel of the kingdom is liberating. It's liberating. And getting together with like-minded people who are Mm -hmm. on that journey is, is liberating. Yeah, it's difficult. Yes, you're going to discover things about one another, but we can come together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and as we're all growing and developing and building one another up Mm. in our most holy faith. That's ecclesia. That's That's just like my heart to want and not, as Frank V pointed out, and and as I said, you know, not just Sunday for a few hours, you know, and Wednesday night maybe, and then maybe another hour, you know, serving the church. That's not it. No, this is a 24-7-365 we are kingdom people, and we're on this journey together with the Lord. You know, I want to just say this. is like I have not arrived on this journey. Uh, Frankie V came along either. and said he hadn't arrived and said, hey, you want to join me on this journey? And I said, yes, I want to join. And our prayer is that you'll join this That's insurgency it. time. The, the message and the book and all that goes with it is an invitation yeah. because so many of the Lord's people— no, there's got to be something more yes, than what they're yes, hearing yes, and experiencing. Yes, and yes. that's really who this book is for. Yeah. The people who, in their beating hearts, say there's got to be more than this. The beautiful thing about community, as we're talking about, mm-hmm. face-to-face community, is that, yes, it involves a cost. Mm. And in our American society today, where we both live in America, people are just so busy with stuff yeah. to do. And most of it is unnecessary. Yes. Most of it equates to trying to get ahead in life and get a better position. Yes. And so people will work more than they have to just for that reason. Mm -hmm. It's all about money and money leads to an easier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so people don't have time for community. They only have time to squeeze two hours on Sunday morning and maybe another hour here or there, Mm -hmm. they don't have time because their priorities are not the kingdom of God. They're something else in this temporal world. Yes. So the gospel of the kingdom is the call Mm. to forsake all and follow me. And what that looks like in our day, a big component of it is community, which begins with the kingdom self Yes. Concept idea. Not a cell church, not a cell group, but a kingdom outpost, which I talk about in the book in terms of practically fleshing out the gospel of the kingdom, at least one of the ways. And that does require some time. That requires that you let something go in your life that you're doing that you think is so important that is not related to the kingdom of God or what God is doing with respect to the insurgents 
that we are now seeing. This is why the gospel of the kingdom is so demanding, because it touches your wallet. Mm -hmm. It touches your calendar. Mm -hmm. The two most important things for most people are the money and the time. And those really are the best gauges of what you really believe. It's not what you say. It's not what you write out. It's not what you profess. It's how you're using your money and how you're using your time. Well, you, you point out in one of the uh, kingdom messages on the Deeper Christian Life Network, I think it's like four medium of exchanges. And you say time, and you say money, and you say energy. Mm -hmm. And I believe the last one was your attention. And it was like, wow. It got me to, to sit down mm -hmm. and do an inventory at the end of a day and a week, just kind of getting a gauge of mm. how am I spending my time. You know, I, I do this exercise at the rescue mission with the guys. I think it's Psalm 90. Moses said, teach me to number my days oh, so that yes. I may live with awesome. wisdom. He says in that Psalm, you know, you can live to be 70 if you're blessed 80. So then I take like, okay, 80 minus whatever my age is right now, and then times that by 365. That's how many days I have left. Oh, wow. If I lived 80. Then take that, that number of days by 24. That's how many hours I have left. Then take that by 60. That's how many minutes I have left. And then seconds. And then when I get that done, say, boy, I just spent 10 of those minutes on just calculating this. But then just kind of saying, <laughs> hey, man, he got the joke. But then just, just kind of saying, like, you know, how am I really spending my time? How am I really spending my energy? How am I really spending my money? You know, my treasure is where my heart is. How do I, how do I spend that? Because I want to live a life of wisdom. And you really start breaking that down and looking at it, mm. and then at the kingdom message and, and forsaking all. Because Frank brings out in the book how the disciples really forsook all. And, you know, we're going to get into that in another podcast. A part of that is being captured by his glory. But really seeing that, and so I encourage you to sit down and look at that in Psalm 90. Mm. And, and take the number 80, if you want to, and, and minus by that, and, and kind of honestly look at, you it's know, really and, and ask exercise, yourself. Brother. Yeah, and ask yourself. Because you really see, like, you know, sometimes we spend time now, you know, and I see that's why maybe, maybe that's why the Lord incorporated a Sabbath rest, because we need the rest from some of those oh, things, but then also, you know, how am I really spending my time, my energy, my attention, my money, you know, because the kingdom, one of the things about it without defining it is, and I saw it in the book, is that the kingdom implies that there's a king, and then it implies that there's a geographical region that the king rules, and then for them to be a king, there has to be a people that are ruled. Yes. Paul would refer to himself as a doulos, a slave, and Christ is kurios, master. Mm. Well, if you're a master, you have to have a slave. Mm. Otherwise, you're not a master. Mm. So, eh, just something to make you go, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like the practical Amen. exercise because our days can go by in such blinding speed that we're not even aware of what we're doing with yeah. our time. Yeah. And so just to pause, hit pause, yeah, and hit to pause. sit down and really contemplate yeah. that, and then give that to the Lord and make adjustments. Yes. Because most of us have things going on in our lives that are chewing up and burning up our time that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Nothing. And, you know, one of the things, when we get into the political piece on this, is just as a small example, I don't really read my Facebook feed often. 
but sometimes I'll look at the news feed and all I'm seeing constantly is Christians repeating either the talking points of the progressive left or the talking points of the conservative right with passion. Yes. Even anger. Mm. And they are chewing up so much time being immersed in the political dialogue out of the abundance of the heart, the social media feed speaks. All right. And so that's coming out. Yeah. And they're chewing up lots of time and energy on that. Yes. And virtually none on the kingdom of God or the gospel of the kingdom. Boy, if they can make that transference. Wow then we would see the insurgents spread far and wide. I guess there are many goals of this podcast, but one of them is, brother, sister, why don't you evaluate that? And, oh, but the political conversation is the kingdom of God. Well, no, it's not. Mm. And if you are really interested in hearing why, then pick up insurgents and read it. Look, I have no Mm. need to sell books. I don't profit personally from books. Mm -hmm. And even if I did... An author gets about a dollar, actually less than a dollar, if a book sells. There's not big money in this, okay? And I say that because people who are new to my work Uh may not be aware that I don't profit personally from my books. But if you're interested to understand why I believe, Jeff believes, and thousands of other people believe, that the gospel of the kingdom does need to be reclaimed, and to know even what we mean by that term, then you want to read it because you'll get a very Amen. clear picture of it. Amen. And at least you'll understand where we're coming from. You may agree with us, you may not agree with us, but at least you'll be educated in terms of what we're talking about. Amen. And the other thing about that too is lots of people today, I am discovering more and more, are not readers, but they like to listen. And so thankfully, the publisher put the book on audio. On audio. They can get it on Audible. CD, Audible. You know, on the CD, if they want to play that in their vehicle, or MP3. Mm -hmm. And so, thank the Lord, it's in that version as well. Amen. Amen. You know, I got it on Audible, and if you get it on Audible, you get a Kindle, then if you order it the other way, they take like a nice, hunky discount off of it. And then what was fun for me was to play the Audible and sit with the physical book and follow along while he was reading it to me as I looked at it. And things that I highlighted, I didn't even see until I heard it. So it's an awesome thing. And it gets back to one of the things we just said, that practical exercise. Your time, your money, your energy, and your attention, and how you spend it. And so I just pray and encourage you to try that practical exercise and definitely get insurgents reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom because you will be getting in on the ground floor of a revolution. Mm, I mean that. I believe that. God is raising up others to proclaim this message, to experience it, and to proclaim it. And few things bring as much joy to my heart. And if this blesses you, these conversations, then share them with your friends. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it.